Hey, what's up? This is Scott Ian from Anthrax, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Jeff Tatum, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 380 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host John coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal and blues talk on the net. Episode 380 we are joined by two guests who are both coming into Pittsburgh within the next week or so. We're joined by John Cronice of the band The Sword out of Austin, Texas. And we're also joined by Jeff Tate. Uh, Jeff We'll be coming in to do a show at Jurgles. We'll be performing the seminal Queensryche album, Operation Mindcrime, its in entirety. Mind you, this is a Jeff Tate solo show, not a Queensryche show. I think the lawyers would appreciate us mentioning that. Uh, so we will get with, with Jeff in just a few moments, but first we're going to speak to John Cronice, who is the uh, kind of the chief songwriter, guitarist, singer of the band The Sword, who have been around for number of years they're going to be coming into Mr. Smalls for an Iron City Rock show on the 22nd of June. Uh, they've been to Mr. Smalls many times and I've always draw a fantastic crowd. So I thought it was a high time we get uh, John and the band on the show. So without further ado, we're going to play you a little bit of The Sword from their newest album, Used Future. We're going to get into that interview with John Cronice. Pleasure to welcome the Iron City Rocks. We have from the band The Sword. We have John Cronice on the line. How you doing, John? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, you guys have released a, a, a sensational album, Used Future, uh, earlier this year on Razor and Tie. Uh, you're going to be coming in to do a show on uh, June 22nd at Mr. Small's Theater, a venue that you've been at uh, several times, I believe, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the new record. You know, it's still relatively new uh, in the game of things. Uh, you've got a lot of different things. I think, um, you know, a lot of times people kind of dismiss you guys as is you know just stoner metal or it's a Sabbath kind of clone. Um, but when I listen to the album, there's a lot of different flavors in your music. Um, was that something you 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 feel, or how do you feel about the you know the label of stoner 
band? Um, it's a little, um, uh, you know, I think it kind of sells us short, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it, we, we don't really fit that mold, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and that is a, that's a pretty big thing these days. You know, there's right. a, lot of, a lot of those kind of bands, a lot of, you know, bands that, that are happy to label themselves Stoner right. and Doom and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, but with us, it's, you know, we don't, you know, some of the stuff that we do definitely, you know, falls within, mm -hmm. you know, it's comparable to what those other bands do, but a lot of what we do is not, you know, it falls outside of that. Um, you know, so yeah, we, we just see ourselves as just a rock and roll band, you know, I mean, that's at the end of the day, it's, you know, or, you know, even as Pink Floyd used to call themselves a pop group, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, you know what I mean? It's just uh, writing songs with guitars and drums as, you know, as our weapons of choice, sort of, it's just, and that's just what comes out, you know, we really don't look, we, we personally, you know, when we're creating it, don't think about, you know, what genre people are going to perceive it as. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And that's it's kind of tough because I think sometimes it can be an, a, kind of an albatross for a band to be lumped in because if then you get this assumption in your mind, okay, I'm not particularly fond of band A, and this band is considered in the same genre, so there's no way I'm going to like that kind of music. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think for us, for sure, that you know, there, there's probably people that just aren't into stoner mm -hmm. rock or doom metal and just kind mm -hmm. of think that assume that you know we would not be for them. Um, you know, even though, like, you know, if they actually were to check out our more recent catalog, it's, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a fan of any of just classic rock, you know, it's, yeah. I think you're you're probably going to find something you dig. And that that your present company included, you know, because I think that, you know, you throw the the name on it, and I never quite understood the you know, the, the the title of of stoner rock, cause, you know, that just it, to me was always a bit limiting. And when I listened to this album, you know, I had kind of a preconceived notion because of the label. But, you know, you've got synthesizers in there. You've got, you know, a lot of different textures and tempos. And, you know, it's just, to me, you know, it's probably more akin to classic rock, which, you know, which is kind of an odd thing to call a brand new album these days. But Right. But, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it is, but it it is, but it isn't, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, that is where our influence comes from, you know, is, you know, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, you know, all those those great bands of the 70s that really kind of you know right. found their own voice and their own sound and yeah. just kind of did what they thought was would be cool artistically and you know oftentimes you know really took left turns and you know did things that fans and and mm -hmm. you know didn't expect you know so yeah. we, we, we definitely consider ourselves to be following in those footsteps yeah and then and fine. yeah exactly i mean the nice thing is is you know when you kind of okay break out of the shackle of whatever label and, and this could be death metal or, or any kind of you know music you're free to go in whatever creative direction that you want to express as opposed to feeling like you need to write inside the confines of you know neoclassical metal or, or whatever it is that you become labeled as you know and, and that's got to be liberating you know to just go with where you know your creative talent takes you yeah i mean well i mean for me it's just kind of a natural inclination mm -hmm. i think um you know and I, I think it was the same for those bands that that we uh are influenced by that, mm -hmm. that came before us you know like those guys weren't following you know anybody else's playbook they weren't you know trying to sound like mm -hmm. you know something else you, you know or, or they weren't trying to sound like all their contemporaries i should say yeah you know, yeah. um, they they were trying to distinguish themselves. Everybody wanted their own sound, and that seems to be something these days, especially in a lot of these kind of 
rock and metal subgenre scenes, mm-hmm. you know, originality is not necessarily something that is, you know, thought. You know, it, it, yeah, it's kind of you're, you're, you you wear the uniform, you you play the, you know, in the, you know, with the right sound, the you know, right equipment, you know, sort of thing to have the look and the aesthetic, and it's it's really kind of more about that than it is about creating. You know right. your own identity, and it's it's kind of a shame. I wish there was. It, I, it's it's interesting. You know, I think it's an internet phenomenon. Of it's easy to see what other people are doing immediately, and just yeah. you know, look at what watch videos of them, and just kind of immediately say, okay, well, that's what we, you know, we need to get those kind of guitars. We need to dress like that. You know, we need that's, you know, whereas before when information traveled a little more slowly, you know, people didn't have that luxury and kind of had to. You know, think of think of things on their own because they they couldn't just immediately see like, well, what's what's everybody else doing? You know? Do you, uh, one of the things you mentioned, and I've kind of often wondered this, growing up in an era where you didn't have instant access to pretty much any song ever recorded, that you would buy a Led Zeppelin three, for example, and whether you were that high on it when you got it and you thought, okay, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be, you know, this is way more acoustic than I expected from Led Zeppelin. But you bought it, you invested in it, you listened to it almost despite the album, maybe. But you grew to love it and became ingrained in you because you couldn't just say, okay, well, I don't like track two, skip to track three, skip to track four, oh, the hell with this album, let's go find six other albums from Led Zeppelin on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah. That people don't have time to digest the music the way some of those classic bands did. Um, and you know it's unfortunate because people don't take the time you know to listen to the entire album, um, you know, and spend the time with it. Um, do you guys ever give things like that thought with you know being a, a you know relatively new band in the YouTube generation where people may judge your band and dismiss you within three and a half minutes? Yeah, I mean a little bit, but you know part of that comes from my own kind of pop music sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, of you know when it comes not not with everything but you know when you're you know with like let's, let's say the first kind of single or track a band puts out puts out mm-hmm. off their off of a new record like I expect that that shit to grab me you know yeah. I want it I want it to it, something immediate to hook me and be and and you know make grab me and say hey you need to listen to this you know mm-hmm. something about it if it's if it starts off something very atmospheric or you know something that doesn't immediately, you know, have some kind of punch or hook, you know, to it, you know, then I think it kind of, it fails, you know, because it's, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So for me, you know, you know, it's, it's important to always have those songs that, um, you know, are going to just immediately, you know, come out with a, you know, right. a, a hooky groove or, or something like that to, mm-hmm. to hook, hook people in. But, you know, that, that's just kind of my songwriting ethos, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I definitely agree with what you're saying it's, as, as far as, you know, people not, you know, really taking the time to delve as deeply into albums, and you know, maybe if you know, if if they actually did have the time to listen to a record start to finish and to every song, whether they necessarily it was, you know, whether it immediately was resonating with them or not, you know, you can you kind of get a feel of what the artist was trying to create. You know, right. sometimes when you listen to the whole album rather than just picking it apart. You know, so but yeah, it's, you know, it's just kind of uh, I think the nature of the of the times. Yeah, I think of uh, you know an album like for me, Dark Side of the Moon, for example, where there isn't necessarily a song on the entire album that I would say that's the one that I like this album for. 
you know, and, you know, right. I don't think of it as an album of singles. And actually, some of them, when they were singles, you know, in, in you know, classic rock radio would play the heck out of some of the songs. I almost got tired of them. But then when oh, you yeah. take a step back and you listen from you know the beginning of side one to the end of side two, or you know, however many of album vinyl it's on now with different permutations, but it becomes a complete work of art. And I don't think people spend the time, you know, with you know the CD or the record album of Use Future, unfortunately, and listen to it forty times because you know it's one of the only five cds they have in their car or the cassette or the eight track or whatever previous generations had that opportunity yeah and we're almost forced to because you know you invested your money in this thing you're going to listen to you know billion dollar babies from alice cooper because that was one of the five things you had in your car or your right your stare at home it's so easy to switch songs now you know i listen to you and two seconds later i could listen to clutch or i could listen to ghost or whoever within you know a couple seconds and that's i think unfortunate because sometimes it takes three four spins of, of a song to really let it marinate and, and sink into your conscious you know yeah uh, yeah for sure uh you know i mean i think we still have a fair amount of fans that you know that mm-hmm. still are in that of that mindset and still you know buy vinyl even and yeah. you know but do sit when they get a new album do sit down and you know take it take the time to listen to the whole thing Right. Um, you know, and really experience it. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of the, like I said, it's just, just kind of the way of the land these days. That, yeah. You know, it's not, not as, that's not the way everyone, you know, enjoys music anymore. Yeah, that is, that is true. I mean, but, you know, thankfully, the concert experience is still, you know, probably the one thing that, you know, previous generations, current generations kind of share is that, you know, for the ninety minutes, two hours, whatever a band is on stage, you know, you're still sharing that immediate feedback with a room full of faces. Um, yeah. On on this particular tour, um, are you mixing in a decent amount of used future, or how do you, how do you you know you guys have got quite a f- number of albums under your belt now? How do you kind of work in the new without kicking out some of the classics? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's we we like to keep it current. You know, a lot of times with our set list, mm-hmm. um, we don't really dwell a lot on old material. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we play you know a few songs here and there, um, of course. But uh, you know, as far as we we like to create a coherent set too. And you know, a lot of our new material and old material, you know, if you play it back to back, it it's it's a little bit. Some of it is a little jarring. Um, sure. So you know, and that and that, that a lot of the vibe of that old stuff. Whereas you know, people love it, and we appreciate that they love it, and we love mm-hmm. it too. But a lot of times, live the vibe it creates is just not what we're going for these days. You right. know, it's it's a much right. more intense thing. It's it's heavy metal. You know, it's, right? And then and that's you know, and, and a lot of times people still come to our shows expecting to you know experience that same sort of vibe that they would have experienced at a sort of show in you know '08. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not the same, you know, for those people. But I think it's better, you know. Honestly, I think it's, uh, you know, if, if you're going to hear a lot more diverse, you know, stuff sure. and, and more musicality and in a more of a real show now. Before, I feel like it was, it was, you know, we we were a good band, but it was just kind of we would get on stage and it was just full blast for you know an hour. Right. You know, it was just, you know, and and I, you know, and then that that can be great, but. You know, once you've been around for a little while and you have, you know, a few albums under your belt, like you're saying, and you know, you you your set times 
you know, when your headliners start to get a little longer, people expect you to play a little longer. Um, you know, you, you learn about kind of creating, you know, a show and a dynamic and a flow right. with your set instead of just, you know, realizing that you can't, if you're playing for an hour and a half, you know, you, you know, you can't just bash people over the head full, you know, full bore for that whole time. It's, it, it, you're going to get numb and tired and they're going to get numb and tired. And, yeah. You know, that's not really what makes for a good performance. So we're, we're a lot better now at, you know, at the, the, the live performance in that way of creating a, a good show with a good flow to it. Yeah. You know, whereas before it was just a much more, you know, maybe intense thing, but. Yeah. Now it's now it's more more better entertainment for your for your money I think. Yeah, I mean, plus you're more mature as players, as songwriters. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you listen to a a U2 album in 1983 and, and compare it to a 2003, very different songwriters. And I don't think you'd want yeah you know some of those bands to always sound the way they did. You know, it, oh, because no, it's yeah, it's absolutely. not genuine in some cases. I mean, there are bands that are exceptional. You don't want Slayer to sound different than Slayer did. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 what they've you know right. you, those those bands like the Ramones and Slayer and you know that that ACDC that yeah. that do that thing and do it well you know I mean mm-hmm. that's that's I love those bands and but you know that's their thing and you know they'll admit that that right. that's you know that's what they're they're going for you know yeah. but uh, but yeah that's but that's yeah we're we're not like that. Um, that's- Fantastic. Now, um, set what length-wise? I mean, how long are you guys playing these days? About an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay, so you're getting a full ninety minute, and that that's good to see too. Sometimes you know, with with bands anymore, they you know because of the economics of touring, they might have three or four opening bands, and by the time the headliner comes on, you know, they get fifty five minutes or something like that. And you, yeah, yeah, you we know. try to not you know. That's why we. If, if, if whenever possible, just bring out one opening band. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, we, we, you know, come from you know the the punk rock scene and the metal scene and stuff like that, where we used to, you know, back in the day, play those shows with five mm-hmm. or six bands and stuff like that. And you know, you you kind of realize that you know first you re- think like you know no more than four bands. That's you can't have more than that's too much too many. Right. That's a festival. Yeah, more yeah. than that. And then, then a few years later, you're like three bands. Three bands is good. You're like, you know, one, two, three, three parts, perfect. Beginning, middle, end. That no more than that. And then, you, then, a few years later than that, you realize two bands. That's, yeah, that's a, people come. They they don't get you know. By the time you go on, they've only seen one band. They've gotten you know. Hopefully that band was good and gotten them pumped up and they're ready to go. And you know, no fatigue. You know, the show just to me the the two band show and and the it just uh, it feels it's right. just a, a little it, yeah it's a little I mean I'm, I don't want to use the word lighter but it's mm. it's it doesn't feel as like a you know like you've been you know you don't feel as much kind of fatigue you know yeah. sonic fatigue a, a, after two bands as as three you know yeah and especially I mean it's it's nice especially when you get bands that are pretty diverse sometimes you know as a metal fan I'll freely admit you get to some of those festival type things and after a while uh, you know of blast beats you, you do become very numb to it and it, it's hard to differentiate so it's you know nice when bands mix it up and, and you know or if, even if you've only got two bands you know a complimentary band is is good but you know you start getting several of them and all kind of sound in the same genre with the same kind of music it can be kind of yeah you know. Then you start forgetting which band, you know, right. which was the one I liked. Was it the middle band or the first band that played that yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. 
So you guys sound like you're on a course to the evening with the sword, with a double, you know, with a intermission at some point down the road. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we've we've done that a couple times actually, uh, but uh, that that's a little too much, you know. It's it's nice to have somebody else share a little of the burden of entertainment. Yeah, for you, you know exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, because you know I I like to play a good, solid, healthy, you know, hour and a half set, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer, but. Mm-hmm. You know, once you start getting into the, you know, doing the whole night, two hours plus, or multiple sets, that then, you know, that's when it starts to wear on you. Yeah, leave that when to the, you know, voice, your voice starts to go, and you know, stuff. Leave like it that. to the guys in in the government mule and stuff to do those three hour shows. I never understood how <laughs> in the world that you know can do that. That's they probably have a lot of you know slower numbers, you know, yeah. some kind of jams and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's ways to stretch it out. Yeah, but uh, you know, and that helps. You know, having we've you know incorporated uh, some of our acoustic uh, stuff that we mm-hmm. did a couple years ago into the live set, uh, things like that. And it you know, not only does it is it does it make for a better show because it had some ups and downs in it, um, you know, dynamically for the audience. It's it's better for us as performers. You know, because we get to kind of switch it up and take a rest and do things differently for a couple songs or, mm-hmm. you know, change it up and then come back. So, you know, we don't get tired of just, you know, wailing on guitars for, you know, an hour straight. John, uh, so yeah. you um, released uh, your, your album, I believe it was March uh, of this year. Yep. Um, is there kind of a, a point at which you say, okay, we need to start writing or... Do you are you one of those guys that keeps you know little song ideas on his iPhone that are you know kind of ready to go when there's a, a, a lull to start looking at new material or do you just we're gonna ride this out and we'll worry about a new material you know when the bus pulls into the parking lot and we're done? Yeah, kind of more like that. Um, you know, yeah, I don't. It used to be, you know, in the early days. You know, you're a younger musician, and you have you really have all the things you still need to say and mm-hmm. get out there. Uh, you know, you're always thinking about songs, but uh, you know, these days it's it, I, I that's something I put myself in the mode of, you know, um, and and if I don't, then they then I don't, you know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I usually wait until we're done with with touring. Yeah, start thinking about that sort of thing. When you're looking for, especially lyrical ideas, I mean, do you uh, obviously you read quite a bit? Um, I mean, do you how how do you go about finding sources of inspiration? Do you kind of set up with a plan, or is it just kind of things come to you and you jot them down? Yeah, basically, you know, just like you know any songwriter does. Um, uh, you know, it, it's I'll admit that you know writing lyrics for Youth Future was actually pretty tough mm-hmm. um, which may be one reason there are so many instrumentals on the album sure. um, you know this this past year has been uh, a rough one you know and it's hard to you know I was kind of on a more optimistic kind of kick you know writing about you know nature and that sort of thing right. and then you know uh, this happened and now here we are at the brink of you know utter destruction and chaos it seems Right. So, you know, it was uh, kind of hard to, you know, I didn't want to dwell on negative themes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just talk about how, you know, screwed up I think everything is. I, you know, I wanted to try to find some way to, you know, talk about other things or, or shed light in other areas. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of a challenge, quite honestly. Yeah, it does seem like turning on the news could either be a, a fountain of song ideas or, or just completely destroy your headspace. Um, yeah, depending on what you're, you know, how you you want to use it, it's uh, it's a weird time to be a, a creative. 
Yeah. For sure. Well, John, I want to thank you uh, so much for your time. I don't want to keep you. Uh, you're coming in on uh, June 22nd. You're doing a show, uh, Mr. Small Cedar. Uh, there'll be tickets available at the door. There are tickets online. Um, we'll have a link for that on our website. And uh, we look forward to seeing when you get into town, man. Thanks very much. Looking forward to it. All right, a big thank you to John Cronice. Again, The Sword will be at Mr. Small's Theater for an Iron City Rocks and Opus One production show on June 22nd. You can get tickets through opusoneproductions.com or you can visit Mr. Small's website or their box office for tickets. And also be sure to check out Iron City Rocks on Facebook and Twitter for chances to win tickets up until the show. So we're going to turn our attention now to a show that's coming on the 18th to Jurgles in Warrendale. We're going to be joined by Jeff Tate. Jeff, as many of you know, spent many, many years as the vocalist for the band Queensryche. Uh, they went through some legal wranglings over the name after he split from the band. Uh, for a while, they were both branded as Queensryche, and then the uh, courts wanted him to call his band Operation Mindcrime. Whatever it is, Jeff will be it. Jurgle is doing the entire album of Operation Mindcrime in its entirety for what, as he says in the interview, might be the last time he undertakes this album as a whole. Also, we'll be playing some of the Queensryche classics as well. Silent Lucidity, Jet City, Woman, etc. So we're going to get into that interview and let Jeff kind of explain what you can expect from that show on the 18th of Jurgles. So let's play a little bit of classic Jeff Tate and Queensryche and get you in the mood for that interview. So I'm wondering, are you ready for some Operation Mind Crime? <laughs> Show, the incomparable Jeff Tate. How you doing this morning, Jeff? Doing great. Nice to be here. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a couple of years, I think, since we spoke. I believe I spoke to you just prior to the 25th anniversary show you did of the Operation Mind Crime album in uh. Greensburg. <laughs> um, well, then you then you know exactly what I'm going to tell you then. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll I'll try to go at it from a different angle. Uh, I one of the things uh, I, I did want to ask. Um, is the band itself? I mean, who are you performing with this time around? I know the last time you heard, I believe that that gig you had Rudy Sarzo and and uh, his brother. Uh, I just wanted to see, you know, what collectively will be your band on Monday night. Well, you know, I've been traveling a lot, and 
over the years, and uh, I've met some incredible musicians. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do um, after leaving Queens Rack was to play music with uh, people that I really uh, respected, their musicality, and, and people that I liked as, as people. And uh, I wanted to have a, a lot of different experiences um, uh, musically, uh, mainly because I, you know, I've been, I've been playing for 30 years with the same group. Sure. You know? and so uh, some variety I thought would be really be nice, and uh, it's really taught me a lot and uh, helped me grow a lot as a musician and and I think as a person too. Uh, but over the last few years, I've met some. Uh, really great uh, young musicians, uh, musicians that are just coming up who, who are uh, great players. Uh, they just haven't had a lot of uh, opportunity to uh, mm. you know, go on the road or, or play with a number of different people. So uh, after having some conversations about this idea with uh, Alice Cooper, who uh, is uh, always very much into uh, hiring young musicians for his band, right. touring bands, uh, I felt that uh, it was really a, a good idea to go in that direction. So I've met some um, wonderful musicians around the world. Uh, right now I've got uh, uh, Kieran Robertson on guitar, who's a young Scottish uh, songwriter, singer, a multi-instrumentalist, uh, fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Another multi-instrumentalist uh, from uh, South America, Brazil, actually, uh, Bruno Sa on keyboards and guitar. And also on any instrument that uh, I ask him to play, he seems to know how to play it yeah. <laughs> really well. I love those guys. Um, yeah, I I love them and I hate them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're envy. So, they're so yeah. good. We have kind of a, a funny bet within the band. Uh, when will Bruno uh, play a wrong note? He hasn't played a wrong note yet this whole time. We've been on tour since January. <laughs> wow. One of those so, guys. Uh, yeah, one of those guys. And then a uh, uh, phenomenal drummer, uh, Josh Watts from uh, England, is joining me. Uh, Jack Ross, also from Scotland on bass. And then I have my uh, my longtime uh, guitar player, uh, Scott Martin on uh, okay. guitar, who's been playing with me since uh, off and on since uh, I guess two thousand one. Okay. Yeah, he was on my he was on my first solo album with me. So we're. Uh, we're a very happy band right now. Everybody gets along really nicely, and uh, we're having a great time touring. And uh, it's just been a constant, uh, a constant smile for me the whole time since January. How can you talk a little bit of how playing with these different musicians and, and you're dealing with? You know, this is kind of almost you know reminds me of a mix, a foreigner. Uh, you know, you've got somebody from you know pretty much everywhere on the earth. How that infuses yeah. energy into you as a musician? You know, I mean, because I'm sure. Playing some of the hits, especially, could be maybe monotonous. Um, you know, how does you know having these young, energetic musicians, you know, with with different backgrounds, kind of charge your batteries? It's wonderful, really. Uh, you, you definitely feel the enthusiasm, and um, you know, they're constantly asking questions. They're inquisitive. They don't have. Um, you know, years and years of um, cynicism built into them already. Yeah. <laughs> so they're 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 looking at the world, you know, through uh, you know optimistic, fresh eyes, you know, and they come at the music uh, in a different way too, which I find really refreshing. That they're they're excited about it. You know, yeah. all these guys grew up on my music. Um, it was played in their homes, and they discovered it on their own, and and now it's. Uh, 
it's a, a, a wonderful experience for them to be uh, playing this music all over the world, and uh, and they feel that and they appreciate that. In fact, I, I told them um, I think after the first week on the tour, I, I said to uh, a couple of them, I said, look, you know, you can play these solos, uh, give them your own feel if you like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and they said, no, no, we really want to play them like uh, they were originally recorded out of respect for the artists that that, that wrote the part, right. you know. And I, I thought, wow, that's that's really a, a wonderful perspective on life yeah. right there yeah that that is and it's 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 always a tough thing you know because when you when you go to see a band and there's someone playing a different part you know sometimes you do want it, you to hear an artist interpretation in there or sometimes you don't i don't think anybody wants to hear somebody noodling on crazy train for example you know it was written yeah. the way it was it's iconic the way it is um, it, it's good mm -hmm. to have that respect you know for the music um, it is. It's refreshing because a lot of times, you know, you, you think with the arrogance of youth that yeah. people will be wanting to uh, put their stamp all over everything. You know, and, yeah. uh, it's nice when that's not the case. Yeah. Now, does it still kind of stagger your imagination that that thirty years later there's still a demand for this album in its entirety? I mean, did, obviously, I don't think anybody could ever, you know, start writing lyrics for, you know, day one of, of an album and think, boy, this is going to be an iconic landmark album. I'm going to be doing this when I'm, <laughs> you know, you know, 30 years down the road. I mean, that's just mind-blowing, I would think. You know, John, it really is. It's, uh, it's something that, that you, you don't expect. Mm -hmm. um, you never even know when you're making an album that it's, mm -hmm. it's going to affect people, you know, the way it does. You don't, you, you have no idea. But when it does, uh, it's something that you have to sort of wrap your head around and um, and understand it and, and and respect it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am shocked. I wasn't really planning on doing a, a 30 year anniversary tour of, of this album, but I got so many requests from the promoters around the world, you know, right. to do it. Uh, that I started thinking, well, gosh, it's, you know, it, it'd be silly for me not to because there's so much demand for it. Right. And uh, and and I'm really glad I did because I I've really sort of come to appreciate the album in a lot of different ways now, mm -hmm. uh, more than I had already uh, doing it this time. This might this might be my last time of um, playing the whole album mm -hmm. in its entirety. It's the 40th anniversary. I'm going to be in my 70s. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I'm going to, you know, be the same person in my 70s as I am now. You so, know, Jeff, uh, uh, this Sammy, might, this might be it. <laughs> Sammy Hagar just announced his 71st birthday bash. There's, there's hope for all of us. I think, you know, mm. if we could, we can still be doing that at that age. Um, just the, uh, out of curiosity, you know, it's it's easy to look back in hindsight and and look at your your discography and say, okay, you know, this one was. You know, Empire was incredibly successful, and, and Mind Crime was very iconic. But when you walked away from those albums, or you looked back, you know, through your perspective, was Mind Crime kind of the the top of the mountain for you, or was there another album or that that maybe you thought was was better that just didn't get the commercial success? Maybe an American Soldier, or you know, something like that. Well, I have nineteen albums. Mm -hmm. um, which is quite a bit. Of sure. I feel very proud of that. And, you know, judging it from my perspective, uh, I, there's, there's all kinds of ways you can look at, uh, at an album. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look at it in the, 
commercial success, uh, you know, how many record sales you made, or what chart positions you made, or or then how do you feel about it artistically? You know, yeah. is it something that you feel proud of making? And um, the uh, Minecraft album was the, the first. Well, no, I guess I Rage Forward it was my first album that I felt really proud of. Mm-hmm. I felt like the band had done something uh, very good at that yeah. time, and uh, we were really stretching out and becoming who we who I thought we were going to be. You know, uh, we, we weren't so um, what's the word? We weren't so centered on our influences on that album. We really became Queen's right, in my opinion. Um, and then Mind Crime, we just hit on all cylinders, you know, so to speak, where we had a, a real strong album and we had great, uh, phenomenal record company support and we had strong management and, you know, everything just clicked at that point. And, uh, and, the, and that album was uh, not only, you know, uh, taken very seriously and loved but also did very well commercially you know sure at fir- well at first it didn't at first it didn't right. sell anything <laughs> it sold exactly like our last albums you know? sure. so we made a video of course and that, that changed everything once you hit MTV and we had all that viewership you know you really saw the power of television how it mm-hmm. could sell things uh, Promise Land was probably made my favorite album that I made with Queen's Rec lineup. I love that album. And uh, it was the, the first album to me where um, I kept the mood, you know, all through mm-hmm. the record, where it has a has a feel to it. You know, it puts the listener in a, a realm of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, it, it just has a feel all the way through mm-hmm. that doesn't change a lot. Where other albums we've done, you know, song by song, it kind of took you on a different journey, you know? Sure. And um, jumped around as far as what emotions and what the subject matter and everything it was dealing with. But Promise Land kept you in this scene. And right. I was really proud of that because I'd been wanting to work towards that. So yeah. see, it's, it's like, a, it's, it's like, it really just depends on how you judge things and how you sure. judge things as to, to what sort of outcome you have. Yeah, I was always just kind of curious. It's you know, there, you, you'll see bands. You know, and this happened to many of the bands of you know the, the late '80s, early '90s, where they became almost a victim of their own success on particular songs. You know, I don't consider Queensrÿche to be in that vein. You know, you guys were more thought of, I think, as, as terms of albums. I don't think there was a defining single that that everyone kind of uh, you know pigeonholed you guys with but you know some of the contemporary bands of that era you know had the huge success on the power ballad for example and then are kind of doomed to have to perform it or being remembered for that for many years and I was always just curious if if looking back I mean obviously people think Queensryche they think Mind Crime Empire Rage for Order uh, you know kind of in that order most of the time I was always curious if, the, if those inside of that group you know, look back and remember it the same way. You know, if they, if you could do a, you know, full show of any album you ever did, would Mind Crime be the one, or would you maybe pick something different? So it's, 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 but you're right. Well, I, uh, I just, I just completed uh, a trilogy of the albums, um, mm-hmm. the Tell a Story and uh, the, the Key uh, Resurrection and a New Reality, mm-hmm. and uh, I would love to perform those albums, those in their entirety. That that would be a very long and involved show, but sure. um, that is 
that is where my head is at musically mm-hmm. at the moment and um the uh it's a dream of mine to do that at some point which which i hope happens yeah and, and that's a great point i mean you you do have to consider where you're where you're at musically now i mean you're, we're talking about an album that was you know 30 years old versus something that's you know four or five years old for example i mean that's certainly a different perspective mm-hmm. um what is it next is. For, for jeff tate i mean i I know you 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 dabble in a lot of things outside of music. I mean, do you have plans beyond this tour, or um, new irons in the fire in the recording world? Well, um, I just spent three years making uh, these three albums, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a, a a real love affair for me, and uh, that is over now. <laughs> and yeah. I've finished the records. And so I uh, put them out, and now I feel uh, very free to uh, begin something new. Um, but I'm really sort of uh, focused on touring this whole year, sure. uh, and I'm, I'm booked up until the end of December holidays. And, uh, and after that, I'm going to take a little time off, uh, but then I have a, uh, a wonderful experience uh, for me. I'm looking forward to it. I'm touring with uh, one of my favorite bands, Avantasia, Okay. Next year on their on their big tour, they have a new album uh, coming out, uh, I believe in March, and, and that's when the tour begins as well. So I'll be I'll be touring with them as a, a special guest, and uh, really really looking forward to that. I know they're they're not really known well in the United States, but uh, they're very very popular in Europe and South America and Asia. Yeah, that, that's cool. You, you um, always impressed me as somebody who probably enjoys the, the cultural aspects of touring and being in different countries. Is that the case? I know from your Facebook page, you'll see different yeah. pictures of you. Do you enjoy soaking in all that local culture as you're on the road? I do. Yeah, I love to travel. Uh, in fact, almost all my family loves to travel. Uh, all mm. my kids have grown up on the road and... Uh, uh, I love going to different countries, and uh, I love going to new countries places yeah. I haven't been before, experiencing you know what it's like there. Uh, I don't, I don't typically travel in the sense like, like going to tourist places. I, I kind of try to embed myself in the, in the sure. locality of where I'm at. Like for instance, <laughs> I have this real interesting thing happening in uh, is it September? Yeah, I think it's September. I'm I'm going to be in France. And uh, my wife and I have signed up for this immersion experience where you you live with this family and you only speak French and you only uh, communicate that way and it's a small farm where you do yoga every day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that that's gonna uh-huh. be an amazing experience, and that's you know I'm sure one of the perks of of you know your success and, and you know the, the type of job you have where you have to travel. Uh, to be able to, to yeah, take that opportunity, and, and everything, everything about it sounds great, except for the yoga part. That I have to well, compromise. <laughs> yeah, you, you you can you can pull it off. I mean, it, uh, and that's a great point you bring about travel. So many people, you know, you go to see the destinations on the checklist when you get the, you know, most people when they go to France, you know, they want to see the Eiffel Tower, etc. Um, to really take the time and go off the beaten path, that's that's a wonderful idea, and it's. You know, I'm sure. Unfortunately, some of your visits to cities are a matter of you know meandering around before sound check and, and really not getting a chance to see, you know, cities in the detail you might like. But yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's like that. But uh, I try to uh, take the time and, and schedule mm-hmm. it so that I have uh, a 
good, a good amount of time in, in some places that I really want to see and, and want to experience them. Yeah, um, that would be something that I, I always thought that would be interesting. You know, there, there's been on such a, a a huge amount of memoirs from you know rock stars that you know somebody to write about their experiences in the traveling and things like that would always be an interesting angle to see. Um, you know what they've experienced in the world as opposed to you know the drug use that led up to fame you know which most of those books tend to be but yeah led up to fame or, or demise yeah <laughs> yeah two. yeah drug use yeah. fame band breaks up you know it, 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 i mean a lot of that is the same book you know but uh it would always be neat yeah, to hear it some. really it really is and it's it's strange but yet kind of uh telling that uh mm. about the personalities that get involved with this sort of life you know uh yeah you know these uh these people that are still kind of dis- disconnected uh mm-hmm. writing about themselves and uh performing and uh you know the the story is is quite similar with a lot of us you know mm-hmm. and uh some some people you know make it out alive and have long careers and learn from their experiences and other people you know don't so yeah. uh but it's uh, it, it is really like you said. A lot of times, it's the same story, just with different characters. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, you know, and, and you know, it's always great when the, when the artist is still alive to tell the story. You know, as opposed to. I know. think so. I I love seeing uh, my favorite artists uh, uh, still to this day. I like to try to see uh, and hear everyone. Um, Musically, that that I want to see, I, I want to see them before they're gone. You know? Yeah, yeah, that to do that so far. I think it's really important that you, you make the effort to see your your favorite artists. You know, uh, well, because it doesn't last forever. And uh, like, if you haven't seen the Rolling Stones, you should really do it and make yeah. the investment. Go see the show. It's it's a great show. They do, and it's when you're there, you're you're definitely transported into a different world, a different time. Yeah, and you feel it. You know. yeah. and that, that's a great point it's not, I mean, it's not gonna last forever so you, you know, <laughs> i don't know I the, do you, you watch even even on you know i haven't seen the stones in person myself i'm embarrassed to say but you know i've watched a lot of their performances even recent performances you know and i don't even know what age some of those guys are 70s are still kicking at full steam you know yeah. Yeah, two plus hour them, shows yeah. and you know they sound in some respects sound better now live than they did you know in the early 80s even for example so but you're right yeah, yeah I mean you know, there's Aero, only Aerosmith Aerosmith yeah. sounds amazing nowadays when I first saw yeah. them in the 70s mm-hmm. they weren't anything to write home about but they mm-hmm. really uh, changed and got better yeah. and, you know I yeah. think a lot of that was the drug use they were involved with uh, yeah. really made a huge impact on their ability to play you know yeah they sound phenomenal well jeff i want to thank you so much again you'll be in uh, town of warndale at jurgles on monday night um looking forward to seeing the 30th anniversary of mind crime and i'm sure some some other material from uh, the other albums and we look forward to you know whatever it is you end up doing next uh, we've enjoyed your work so far and wish you all the best man thank you john thanks for the interview and i uh, hope to see everybody at the show all right, a big thank you to Jeff Tate again. He will be at Jurgos on the 18th doing Operation Mind Crime in its entirety. Uh, later on in the same week, on the 22nd at Mr. Small's Theater, uh, the Sword will be here on their used future tour. So be sure to check out both of those. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks. Or you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. 
we really appreciate hearing from all of you. Uh, our goal is, as it always has been, is to promote live music in western Pennsylvania and really throughout the country. So uh, if there's a band that you would like to hear on the show, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for the time. <laughs>